Welcome to Hidden Headlines, the good news, the God news, news for the soul, stuff no one in the secular media is talking about, and I'm your host, Brian Sussman. This is news for the first full week of February, and by the way, thank you for listening. Many of you listening via SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, I'm glad you're here, and don't forget, all of the stories that I'm referring to can be found on my blog at briansussman.com, and while you're there, please check out the Another Chance podcast. These are real stories about friends of mine who saw a divine reboot in their life. And I think no matter where you are in life, you could be super, super high as a kite, just on top of the world, slaying it, everything's going your way, or maybe not so much. I think you're going to find these very encouraging. That's why I put these together, to give people hope to let them know that there is a God out there that really does love them. And even though life may not be sailing just quite the way you've hoped it would, there is hope. God has for you not a second chance, but another chance. Well, let's get into the news this week. Here are some of the things I'm going to be talking about. Uh, We're going to be talking about infanticide. Not a popular topic, I understand, but it's a topic in the news. It's a story that broke this week. And it's jaw-dropping. We'll get to that. Antinatalism. Have you ever heard of this before? Chances are no. But this has to... I'm sorry I'm laughing. Uh, because the way, the way that I, I titled this on my blog is actually humorous because this story is, is sort of a bummer. Uh, now we have people who are upset because their parents did, didn't give them consent to be born. I mean, that is hilarious, but there are serious people involved in this movement, and they look at moms as being, you know, not mommies, but mombies, daddies as being semen demons, and babies as being crotch fruit. So we get into that story on Hidden Headlines, and then I'm going to link you up to a video that I put together many years ago on Earth Day. I was doing some man-on-the-street interviews on an Earth Day at an Earth Day celebration in the San Francisco Bay Area from where I'm broadcasting, and uh, that is shocking. You'll hear that coming up as well. I love these stories because they're happening all the time. Thank God for this. But Muslim terrorists turning to Jesus, those who have been members of ISIS, Turning to Jesus, folks, it's happening. We've got another example of that. And then Nancy Pelosi, she's, of course, the Speaker of the House of Representatives. She's my congresswoman here in San Francisco. Uh, She's been using this fake Bible verse often. I mean, like, all the time. So we're going to talk about her favorite Bible verse that's not in the Bible. (laughs) And, And then I've got seven more that might fool you or might not. But I'm hoping you'll respond and share with me some of the quotes that you hear on a regular basis that people swear have to be in the Bible but aren't. Probably the easiest way to reach out to me is just go to my email address, which is anotherchancepodcast at gmail.com, and I will get your message. Okay, so let's begin with this infanticide story. This came down the pike late Monday evening. In fact, it was 5.04 on the West Coast, so 8.04 on the East Coast. This was a leading pro-abortion U.S. senator. 
I mean, she is just a way out there radical. And she objected to a vote in the Senate that would simply assure the American public that we're not going to be a country that endorses infanticide. Infanticide is killing the baby after it's been born. Now, Nebraska Senator Ben Sasse had voted, put this on the floor for a vote Monday to protect babies born alive after failed abortions. This Senate vote would come, of course, just, what, a week after Governor Andrew Cuomo, and we talked about this last week on Hidden Headlines, signed into law new legislation that allows abortions, abortions right up to birth. And, of course, they say, well, we're always in consideration for the health of the mother. Friends, the health of the mother can be something like anxiety, which is temporary. The health of the mother could be feeling a little bit depressed. It could be a lot of things. But the bottom line is, Ben Sass, I believe it's pronounced Sassy, could be just Sass, but uh, Senator Sass, S-A-S-S-E, wanted this vote just to assure the American people that this is not who we are. We are not into infanticide. And of course, this also comes after last week's decision by Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who's in a lot of trouble now for something else, but he was originally in trouble for backing infanticide during a radio interview. And it's, it's especially troubling because this guy's a pediatric physician. So he said he's perfectly content with infanticide if doctors and parents discuss this ahead of time, and it was all in the name of health of the baby, but I'm sure it would also be in the name of health of the mother as well. And then again, we get into what is health? Is this saving the mother in a life and death situation, or is it simply a case of anxiety or stress or, or uh, depression? So this was very simple. And by the way, once we go down this road as a society, we are opening up Pandora's box. I mean, how many times have you met someone with Down syndrome? I've, th- these, these people with Down syndrome, some of them are like angels. I mean, the, the, the kids, the, pe- the adults I know, I've known one particular gal since she was a kid, uh, she, she's without sin. She's the most happy-go-lucky. She surfs, she swims, she's adventurous. Just a wonderful kid. Wonderful adult now. Some would look at her and say she's not worthy. We, we don't want to go down that road, folks. This is especially, I, I'll share with you uh, an email comment I've received from, from someone, but this, this, breaks, this breaks my heart. And of course, having a Jewish background, I think of the experiments that were done in Nazi Germany. Uh, and my, my mind goes down that road. My God, this is something uh, that would come right out of the concentration camps with the Dr. Mengele. So Ben Sass, the Nebraska senator, said, let's vote. Let's do this. Let's, let's have a unanimous consent that we are not going to put forward laws that will involve infanticide. So Patty Murray, speaking on behalf, that's right, Patty Murray, senator from Washington, a leading voice in the pro-choice, pro-abortion movement. Um, she spoke on behalf of other pro-abortion state uh, Senate Democrats, and she stood up and objected to the vote. And that was it. Boom. Done. Done. 
Vote didn't go through. Now, God bless him. Senator Marco Rubio, I don't know where he is spiritually. Maybe some of you know. He's, of course, the senator from Florida. But man, this guy stood up and God bless him. He said that Senate Democrats would block a bill to protect a baby who survives an abortion speaks volumes. Supporting a newborn's right to life should not be a partisan issue. Unfortunately, Senate Democrats, like their colleagues in Virginia and New York, seem to have no issue publicly supporting legal infanticide. It is clear that on the issue of life, extremism has become the norm. Now, let me share this this very moving comment I received over briansussman.com after I posted this. I informed this person that I would do this and keep um, their, them, I would keep them anonymous. Uh, about late-term abortion, both my parents were in concentration camps. My father, a Russian prisoner of war, and my mother, a German who fought with the resistance. My Canadian husband always said to me, Germans, all Germans, knew about the camps, but few did anything about that. Most Germans were silent. They were all guilty. My husband is under the opinion that their silence was the same thing as being bystanders. I've heard this from German people. I've heard this from Polish people as well. The Polish people, by and large, every Polish person I've ever met, they, they harbor a lot of guilt for World War II and the concentration camps that were in their country because they all knew what was happening, but they were under the thumb of the German uh, army, the German regime, and um, they didn't do anything for fear of their own lives. You know, you get into that situation, it's like the law of the jungle. I mean, if you speak up and say something, you're going to get killed, sent to the camps. It's just, it's crazy. But this is what totalitarian regimes do. They scare the wits out of people and scare them into silence. Anyway, continuing with this this uh, comment from a, a reader. Today, this nation is in the same situation. Millions of babies are murdered and cut to shreds. The first thing the abortionist does, and he goes into the details. The, uh, this woman goes into the details. So she and her husband are talking about this, and she says to her husband, you accuse the German people of being silent bystanders, and we're just like them today and allowing the killing of innocent life. What are we going to do about infanticide? Are we just going to wait like the German citizens of yesteryear? What's your excuse? You know, this leads me to a story. I didn't mean to go there in this edition of Hidden Headlines, but that's what happens. Uh, for those of you who have, have heard this podcast and have heard me on the radio, you know, my mind goes in a zillion different directions and I just, you know, open up and share. This is how my wife and I got involved in adopting kids. And this is how I start, uh, co-founded Brian's Kids, the adoption organization that helped with the adoption of 400 some odd kids. But we were in a peaceful Mother's Day march around a planned parenthood in Santa Cruz, California, many, many years ago. We were, we were, new, we were young, no kids, newly married, so to speak. I take that back. We did have our first child. It all comes back to me now. My daughter, we were pushing her in a stroller. So our biological child was in a stroller with us. There were some radical young women multicolored spiked hair on the stairs of Planned Parenthood. And as we're marching around the Planned Parenthood, again, peaceful march, a couple people had signs that said, uh, adopt, don't abort. Adopt, don't abort. And in response to those signs, a couple of these girls on the steps of the Planned Parenthood shouted 
almost screamed, yeah, right. If I had a baby, you'd adopt it. And those words struck me like somebody just punched me and knocked the wind out of me. I didn't respond. I didn't say anything until a few days later because it was really bugging me. And I asked my wife, I said, do you recall that situation just a few days ago, a week ago, whatever it was, with the girl in the steps who said, oh, yeah, right. If I had a baby, you'd adopt it. And I looked at my wife. I said, would we? And she said, well, I've been thinking about that, too. That's really been bugging me. And she said, yeah, we would. And I said, you're right. Yeah, we would. And that led us down a path of adopting our oldest son, Samuel. And that's a story in and of itself. And then adopting our second son, Ben. And that's another beautiful story. And then some years later, adopting Josh. And one of my Another Chance podcasts is about adopting Josh. And I highly encourage you to listen to that story. Because, and, I, and I challenge you to try not shed a tear. But... There are those of us who have tried to work on the front lines of pro-life. And uh, we, we can't stand by and do nothing, folks. We've got to be active. And I don't know what your level of activity might be able to entail. It may just be simply cutting a check and sending it to some great organizations. But, uh, boy, anything you can do. I, I tell you what, God will honor your decision to stand up for life. Okay, here's the, the next story. Uh, this, it's entitled, Now We Have People Who Are Upset Because Their Parents Didn't Give Them Consent to Be Born. This is, this is an extreme sect of vegans, for the most part. An extreme sect of vegans. Um, you know how it is. You, you're going to be a parent. And you're so excited. But oh, to these antinatalists. They won't call you a mommy, they'll call you a mombi. They won't call you a daddy, they'll call you a semen demon. They'll refer to your offspring as crotch fruit. Crotch fruit. So these antinatalists, this is a this is a movement that's growing around the world. Uh, this isn't just a Berkeley, California thing. It's happening all over the world. Of <laughs> So these are adherents of the philosophy that human beings are a destructive force to the earth. And therefore, it's morally wrong to create any more of them. It isn't possible, they say, to ask fetuses if they wish to be born. So having a child means foisting life on another being without his or her consent. And they say that's wrong. I'm reading from one person. This is a writer, a writer animal advocate, vegan, and anti-natalist from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Our parents thrust us into the world, but they won't be living our lives for us. There's no way to predict your future or your child's, but there will be guaranteed loneliness, disappointments, frustration, fears, illnesses, long work hours, and pain. Reproduction, reproduction and parenting have been falsely glamorized. I never saw any logic to the idea that parenting is life-affirming. Wow. Now, let me kick it up a notch. I went to a Earth Day uh, festival. Gosh, this is a number of years ago. The video on YouTube has been seen many, many times. I'm going to play the audio from the video for you in just a second. 
but I interviewed a young girl, and she was she was a charming little girl, middle school kid, and her mother was so excited that she was going to speak into the cameras. I'm interviewing people, and uh, oh my gosh, this kid had been brainwashed into believing that there are too many people on planet Earth and we're destroying the Earth, and sometimes she feels as if we shouldn't even exist. Can you imagine? This kid has not been fed a a load of hope. This kid has been fed a load of depression, for lack of other words. But I want, this is a produced piece. You'll hear a little dramatic music in the background. But I want you to listen to this right now on Hidden Headlines. What is the most serious threat facing humanity today? Um... Uh, human existence? Wow. I guess you mean there are too many humans on the planet. Yes. What are the humans doing to the planet? What are they they doing to harm this earth? They're polluting all kinds of stuff, and the birds and animals are eating it, and then they die. How does that make you feel? Um, kind of like, like, I wish that they didn't pollute that it never happened and sometimes I wish we didn't exist. How much of this are you learning in your school these days? Um, in my school at Galt, we're, le- we're learning a lot about it. Can you believe that? She went to Galt Middle School in Santa Cruz. By the way, that video on YouTube is entitled Greenwashing a Young Mind. You can type it in, look it up for yourself, or just go to briansussman.com under videos. But to greenwashing a young mind, so sad. I mean, what is the hope of life if, if this is it? We're responsible for wrecking the planet. We're responsible for too many people. We're responsible for too much pollution. You know, again, this... The reason why, I'll, I'll preach for just a moment, your, your life could be really bad. You could have experienced a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, etc. But the bottom line is, there's a God in heaven who loves you and can bring you joy even in this life. Even in this life, there can be moments of pure joy. But we're not living for this life. We're living for eternity, the life to come. And for all the young social warriors out there that are social justice, equal, equality, love, and more justice, can I tell you something? There's not going to be any justice on this planet. There's not going to be any universal love on this planet. There's not going to be equality on this planet. Not until Messiah Jesus returns. And by the way, when he does return... There are going to be more people living on this planet than who have ever died throughout all time. He's coming back to a big audience. They will see him face to face, and they will make a decision at that point in time whether they believe it or not. And he is going to met out justice on planet Earth. He will do that. And then for all of us who have believed over the centuries, over the many thousands of years, going back before he was revealed in Bethlehem, can I tell you something? We will live with him forever. It's not this life that we live for, it's the next. That's why we had our daughter. We wanted her to follow him. That's why we adopted our boys. We wanted to give them a shot as well. And uh, 
My boys' stories are just incredible. And I say that to give you hope. Again, you could just be living a bummed out life right now and thinking, oh, there's, there's no hope for me. This is all good. These are really interesting stories. But wait, there is more. Okay, so I'm done preaching. I'll, I'll stop off at that. Now, here's the next story. I love stories like this. Uh, when terrorist Muslims turn to Jesus. I have a friend who I should probably get on a hidden headlines uh, broadcast sometime. She works with a ministry in uh, Turkey. In, well, actually in, uh, in Kurdistan. And they are very undercover, so to speak. But they lead lots of Muslims to Jesus. I mean, lots of them. Uh, she's, she's an American. I, I witnessed her come to faith in Jesus. And she just had this calling to go work for this organization. And she was a highly educated woman. And her parents probably thought she was nuts. But she went overseas and found herself working with all these Muslims. And then ends up marrying a... Uh, a Muslim who converted to Christianity. Folks, this is happening. Muslims are turning to Jesus in large numbers, and many of them are meeting Jesus in dreams. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you a story, which I may have shared on another episode of Hidden Headlines in just a moment. Anyway, this story is about a new church in Kobani. It's on the Syrian-Turkish border, and it's attracting converts who have experienced brutality at the hands of ISIS. One guy says, if ISIS, if ISIS represents Islam, I don't want ISIS or, or Islam anymore. I don't want to be a Muslim. This is what he told NBC News. Their God is not my God. Now he attends, attends I should say, the Church of the Brethren. So Church of a Bre the Brethren, this is a, an old, old denomination that started in Germany, I think. I think it's like the, probably the 1700s. It's very old, but it's good to know that they're doing such great work in this part of the world. So he attends a church of the brethren. And of course, this guy's move is a bold one because generally speaking, when you convert to, is, uh, to Christianity from Islam, not only are you shunned by your family, but some will attempt to kill you. They'll, they'll honor kill you. Syria, by the way, is in terms of the, fifth, in terms of the 50 most dangerous nations in which to practice Christianity. Uh, it's number 15. That's a report from Christianity Today. Less than 5% of Syrians are Christian. And generally, if you're a Christian in this part of the world, it's, it's not like here in America. You know, I, I, I go to church on Sunday and do everything else Monday through Saturday, and I'm a Christian. No, these people are serious about their faith. They walk the talk. Everybody's watching them, especially if they're a Muslim convert to Christianity. All their Muslim friends are watching. And if they slip up, so great story. This is uh, one that I love sharing. And it was kind of cool that NBC News actually covered this one, too. Okay, here's the, this is, this is a fun one. <laughs> this is a fun one. So Nancy Pelosi, yes, my congresswoman here in San Francisco. Uh, she uses... Of course, she's a Catholic. Um, I don't know, you know, there are a lot of Catholics who, of course, love Jesus. They know the Bible inside and out. They are truly born again. There are a lot of other Catholics who um, they only know what the priests tell them. 
And you could probably say the same thing for a lot of, you know, Christians who go to various denominational churches. Uh, they got baptized when they were a kid, just like the Catholics got baptized when they were babies. And, uh, you know, the Catholic kid had the confirmation. The Baptist kid continues going to church every once in a while, but they live a raggedy life that really isn't founded on following Jesus. But again, there are others, you know, from all the denominations and many Catholics I've met who are solidly, solidly followers of Jesus. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, I'm not going to make any judgments. I'm just saying this regarding Nancy Pelosi's Catholicism. She clearly doesn't know the Bible very well. Uh, she was speaking last week at the annual council for Christian colleges. Notice, note, I didn't, I didn't, I don't, just to, just to uh, avoid some criticism here. I didn't judge her, okay? I'm, I'm hoping she winds up in heaven. Can I tell you this? <sighs> and I hope she changes her position on, uh, on the pro-choice stuff too, which is mind-boggling to me because some of the most vehement, outspoken pro-lifers are Catholics. Come on, Nancy, get on board. Well, anyway, uh, last week at the annual Council for Christian Colleges and Universities, it was a conference in D.C., she got up there and she said that uh, her favorite bit of biblical wisdom is to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor God who made us. So again, to minister to the needs of God's creation is an act of worship. To ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. Now, as she introduced the quote, she admitted, quote, I can't find it in the Bible, but I quote it all the time. I keep reading and reading the Bible. I know it's in there someplace. It's supposed to be in Isaiah. Well, Nancy, we have these wonderful tools. Uh, they're called concordances um, and also these wonderful apps. I use BibleGateway.com. <laughs> and uh, you can just plug in some words. You could, just, you, could, you could type in the whole sentence to minister to the needs of God's creation and see if it's there. Might take a little work. There are about 50 different translations of the Bible you could use. But the bottom line is, it's not there. That saying she uses is not in the Bible. It, it might, it's close, I mean, is it sort of close to something? Maybe Proverbs 14.31, which states, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. But, I mean, that's, that's the closest to to minister to the needs of God's creation as an act of worship, to ignore those needs is to dishonor the God who made us. Okay, so Nancy, fake verse. But it got me to thinking, how many popular sayings that are in the Bible are actually not in the Bible? You know, popular sayings that many think are in the Bible are not in the Bible. For example, God helps those who help themselves. That sounds good. Uh, that's actually from an Aesop's fable, <laughs> Hercules and the Wagoner. Got another one here for you. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, I certainly love hand sanitizer. I will tell you that. I'm a germaphobe. Everybody knows it. But this one actually became popular during the Victorian era. It's not in the Bible. Here's another one. Everything happens for a reason. Well, that was not in the Bible either, but it is based on a biblical truism because everything does happen for a reason. Because God is sovereign, and there are no random, out-of-control happenings, period. If you're a Jesus follower, a God follower, if you're a devout Jew, uh, you would agree with me on that, right? 
Uh, several factors help us know that everything happens for a reason. The law of cause and effect. That's a physical law put in place by God. The doctrine of original sin. There are consequences for your actions and the providence of God. Now, here's a real Bible verse that confirms this. Are you ready? I'm going to take you to a book written by the Jewish rabbi named Paul. The book is commonly referred to as Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Okay? So everything does happen for a reason, but that quote is not in the Bible. How about this? Money is the root of all evil. No, no. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. It's the love of money. The lo- Oh, and oh, haven't have we all seen that? Maybe some of us have been guilty of it. Here's another. Hate the sin and love the sinner. Well, this is built on a biblical principle, but the phrase is actually a loose quote of something Mahatma Gandhi said in 1929 when he said, hate the sin and not the sinner. The closest Bible verse is the rarely noted New Testament book of Jude, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. That's the closest I could find. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Again, biblical principle, but another one. God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, that sounds so comforting in times of need. Brother, sister, God won't give you more than you can handle. Oh, really? That's not the Bible either. Again, we hearken back to Jewish Rabbi Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Here's what he says. This is from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. You ready for this? Uh, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had been received indeed we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. So next time someone says, "Oh man, don't worry. God won't give you more than you can handle." Oh, yes he will. That's the idea because he wants you to give all of your cares to him. And then he'll take over. And finally, the devil made me do it. Yeah, nice try. (laughs) Trust me, I've used that one before. Uh, When Eve ate the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, she told God, the serpent deceived me and I ate. As for us, while Satan is the driving force behind the evil in our world today, we have our own sinful nature to blame for most of our sins. James chapter 1 verse 14 says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Do you know of any other quotes, very popular quotes, that people swear have to be in the Bible but aren't? Uh, Email those to me, would you? I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Best way to email me is anotherchancepodcast, anotherchancepodcast at gmail.com. 
All right, that does it for this week's edition of Hidden Headlines. As always, I do appreciate your listenership. And uh, I know for some folks it's very important to get the likes, to get the likes, the thumbs up, the hearts. But what I would really like from you is if you dig this, if you like it, if this is something that's informative and entertaining, please share it with others. Let's get the word out. Again, Brian Sussman, Hidden Headlines. Thanks for listening.